Hi, I'm Paul Stolt, and I'm the founder of iPhoneDev.tv, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp. I'm thrilled today because we have a great guest uh, lined up for our enjoyment. We're going to go through his journey. He is the CEO of Gummy Cube. And uh, full disclosure, they are, you know, uh, his name's Dave Bell and they are, um, Gummy Cube are sponsoring the show. Uh, but I actually reached out to Dave quite a while ago and uh, he loves uh, the App Guy podcast and uh, wanted to also share his journey, uh, which I'm thrilled by because uh, we're going to learn a lot about ASO, that's App Store Optimization, and all about what uh, he's doing with uh, Gummy Cube and his journey. So Dave, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yes, and well, first of all, Gummy Cube. Uh, where did you get the name from? Because it is very memorable, and I've uh, been doing the uh, the ads, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed kind of going through it. But where did you get the name Gummy Cube? Everyone asks us that. Uh, the The honest answer is that you know, Gummy Cube. You know, we're we're a big data company for the app stores, and and that helps with app store optimization and a lot of other uh, a lot of other things. Um, but you know, we wanted to kind of coalesce around the concept of sticky data. Uh, and if you're an engineer and if you're you're familiar with kind of databases, a lot of times uh, you'll call um, you'll call where you store data a data cube. And so we thought Gummy Cube would be a great name for uh, for the company. And we also happen to all love gummy bears, so that worked out for us as well. <laughs> great. There's a lot of inspiration and maybe from kids. Uh, so, okay, well, tell us a little bit about your journey. Then uh, you are the CEO. Uh, how you know did you? I guess get involved and uh, just tell us the backstory of uh, how Gummy Cube uh, came to life. Yeah, well, it started a long time ago. So I've actually been in the mobile space for almost 15 years. I started uh, one of the first mobile app publishing companies uh, in the world back in 1999 when Brew and J2ME feature phones were just in the early days starting to be able to download content from the carrier network. And, you know, we grew that business. We did some great apps. We did the first. first multiplayer game where you could play on your phone against someone on the PC and that game was called Slingo to Go uh, and you know grew the company it was a great experience we sold it in 2005 um, and it was really uh, hard distribution it was all carrier deck distribution before the app stores existed you had to have a relationship with a network operator you had to get placed on their deck and, and you had to go and do kind of real hardcore biz dev we were pretty successful there and, and after we sold that company I was a co-founder of another company called Playphone, and Playphone also did mobile content distribution, um, but it focused on what they call off-deck distribution. And so basically, we were the first company in North America that allowed you to buy games, buy apps, buy personalization content for your feature phones, and have it sent right to your phone from a website instead of having to purchase it from your carrier. Um, you know, we grew that business. It took off like a rocket ship. Uh, went from zero to a hundred million dollars in revenue in about two years. Uh, went from three, I was employee number three officially, to uh, 200 employees uh, in, in, in two years and, uh, and, and did very, very well. It actually recently sold to Gung Ho um, in 2014. And, and Gung Ho, of course, makes Puzzles and Dragons. But, um, you know, toward the end of my time at Playphone in 2011, uh, 2010, 2011, uh, you know, we had a lot of developers coming to us uh, asking about distribution for apps in the App Store. Um, and one of the things that my co-founder and I realized was that, 
you know, the app store was becoming a lot like the traditional internet, whereas in the early days when you had relatively few websites, you know, directories like Yahoo worked. But as more and more websites kind of built up on the internet and it got into millions and millions of websites, you really needed search in order to find what you were looking for. And, you know, Google solved that problem on the web. Um, but nobody was solving this problem for mobile apps. And one of the reasons it's a hard problem to solve is that, um, you know, one, it's a data problem, and two, um, you know, it's a, it's a black box problem because Apple and Google obviously do not share their data about what's going on inside their app stores with the public. Um, so, you know, Ann and I, Ann is my co-founder, uh, we both met at Playphone, uh, you know, we realized that this was a hard problem to solve, but it was a problem that was worth solving. So we started GummyCube, and that was back in 2011. And you know, for for four years, uh, we spent time, you know, both gathering up uh, all of the possible public breadcrumbs from the app stores, as well as building a proprietary index of the app store by looking at you know performance of thousands and thousands of optimizations that we've done uh, ourselves over the last four years to understand you know what keywords work what keywords don't work to understand uh, 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 how keywords impact an app across different categories and really develop an algorithmic understanding of of how app store search works across both iOS as well as Google Play and you know so we built this uh, large base of data and then we layered software on top of it. So we have software, which we call DataCube, um, that actually helps us from a perspective of doing competitive research. It helps us do app store optimization. We have marketers that use it to better target uh, their paid marketing campaigns because they base a lot of their call to actions on what users are really searching for. Um, so it's a true data solution uh, with data exclusively derived from the app stores. Um, and it uses a proprietary index of search that we built ourselves. Well, this is a wonderful journey. First of all, I have to say, what a what a fascinating uh, experience. So you were the third employee. Let's get it straight: the third employee at Pay Playphone, and you sold that in two thousand and five, where it was sold for a hundred million dollars. Was that your own company, or was that? Uh, yeah, well, so so Playphone was the second company. My my first company was sold in two thousand and five. That company was called Chasma, but Playphone uh, was recently sold in two thousand fourteen. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was employee, employee number three, but really I was a co-founder. I was one of the original three guys sitting around at a table kind of thinking about how to solve the content distribution problem in mobile. Um, and, you know, it just took off. And, you know, we had a robust direct-to-consumer business with well over a million subscribers who subscribed to our service where they could download content to their phone. Um, but we also powered a lot of B2B partners. So uh, when I was at Playphone, we powered Walmart Mobile, Best Buy Mobile. We powered promotions for Sony, for Disney, for ABC, for NBC, uh, for BET. Uh, you know, really almost every media company in North America probably with the exception of CBS, was powered by Playphone for their direct-to-consumer promotions and distribution of content. And that was in addition to our direct-to-consumer portal at Playphone.com. Yeah, I was just thinking of the listeners, Dave. There's many of uh, the listeners who are starting their journey in the mobile space. You've done it for 15 years and you've been extremely successful. They're probably listening to this in envy in a way because uh, if I you know, listen to your story, I'd probably say what what is keeping you going because uh, it, it can't be money that's driving you. Uh, you know, it, it must be something more than that. Are you able to explain why you, you just, you know, keep going with um, this mobile industry? Startup fever. Um, I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I, I remember back in the very, very early days uh, when we were first starting uh, Chasma, my first company. Um, and this was back in the day when Brew, which became Get It Now, which was the first uh, platform where you could distribute content over the air from a carrier network here in the States. Um, I remember when it was called Qubit and there were only 10 developers working on it. And, um, you know, we got some exposure because at the time we were all very young. Uh, my first company I actually started uh, when I was in high school. Um, so I was very young when I started that company. And Lucent Technologies um, actually flew us to their headquarters, Bell Labs in New Jersey, um, to talk to us about kind of our vision for mobile entertainment. And, you know, their I met Carly Fiorina, who later became the CEO of HP. She, at the time, was at Bell Labs, Lucent. Um, and I met a lot of their guys who were really, at that time, trying to convince carriers uh, that they needed to upgrade to 3G. And games and, and content were one of the ways that these kind of big companies that sold network infrastructure were showing carriers how, that they, how they could make more use if they had more bandwidth on their networks. And we were there in the very early days. And really seeing that hatched, was something that made me feel like I had a very personal connection to the industry. And, you know, as I look at all of these problems that come up from app distribution to app development to the challenges of working with closed platforms to challenges of supporting hundreds of, hundreds of handsets, uh, you know, they're problems that I've seen in three generations now. And so, you know, I feel like every time that I work on a startup in this space, uh, the ideas that we have to improve the ecosystem, get more and more refined, and interestingly enough, the ecosystem becomes more and more like the internet. So, so certainly, uh, you know, you've, I guess you're inspiring a lot of people now because uh, just listening to you have this startup fever, you know, there are listeners who have left their jobs uh, because of the guests that they listen to and they want to get involved with a startup or uh, get involved in their own company. And uh, just hearing you, there, there is something magical about uh, doing your own thing and being involved in a startup community, uh, would you say? Uh, there's something magical about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, really about, um, it's really about doing what you love, doing something where you wake up every morning and you look forward to, to getting started. I mean, I, I think I probably have more anxiety when I'm on vacation than I have when I'm working because of all the things that I think that I'm, I'm missing or that I should be getting on top on. Maybe I'm just a workaholic, but I love what I do and I love the people uh, that we impact. I mean, at GummyCube in particular, you know, we look at App Store optimization and, you know, we have, you know, clients large and small that work with us. Um, but I love the idea about, you know, democratizing app discovery the same way that, you know, search democratized discovery on the internet. And, um, you know, I, 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 I love solving the hard problems, uh, being able to go in there and, you know, do something that someone can't come along and, you know, copy a couple days from now by grabbing a couple of APIs on the website or on someone else's website and, and putting some sort of mashup together. I always tell entrepreneurs, um, you know, I'm involved with uh, an incubator uh, and a, a startup competition here in Silicon Valley called uh, F50. It stands for Fundable 50. And I always tell entrepreneurs uh, in F50 that, you know, it's important to solve hard problems. Um, it's important to solve problems where uh, you're going to have a very large positive impact um, on a huge market. Um, and, you know, don't, don't think small. Um, you know, it takes relatively a small amount of effort a small amount of additional effort to work on a very large problem 
versus working on a small problem and then you know trying to figure out how to kind of wedge an impact in. Well, Dave, this is music to my ears because uh, would you believe that in the 200 plus episodes we've had on this show, one of the big long running themes that I keep coming back to this time and time again is the, the, the need to solve a problem, you know, rather than just throw up a clone of something else. And most of the successful entrepreneurs and app developers and startup founders have all come back to this central issue of not only just disrupting a market, but looking at a real need and solving that problem. And it's great to hear you reinforce that that theme throughout the whole of the, the podcast. When I look at uh, when I look at the app business today, you know, it, it, I guess I look at it a lot like the internet because I have a, a background in internet marketing as well. And you know, I guess you know you have. Uh, whether you're an independent developer or a large established developer, you have guys that are creating an app and they're trying to really build a business out of that app. There's a brand, there's a concept, it's defensible, uh, you know, you've got a defined customer base, uh, and you've got marketing going on you know, both inside and outside the app store to draw awareness to your business. Um, and then you, know, you have other people who have more of what I call an affiliate strategy where they want to develop a large network of apps. Uh, you know, it's, about, it's about quantity. Um, and you know they're they're trying to you know arbitrage to some extent, and you know there are a ton of affiliate marketers online uh, who do the same thing with websites and keywords, and um, you know it's just it's two two different business models and two different mindsets, and and I guess um, you know both both work to some degree. I'm I'm more of the the, the build a large company that can sustain for a long time kind of mindset. Yeah, well, let's talk about Gummy Cube because as a lot of the listeners who are indie app developers and. You know, we love this idea of uh, trying to get our apps discovered. Again, that's a, 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 one of those problems that we keep coming back to is how on earth to get uh, noticed amongst the crowd. And uh, you try to solve that to some extent with App Store optimization. Perhaps you can spend a few minutes talking about that. When it comes to App Store optimization, it's, it's really interesting. A lot of the very early solutions that have been on the market um, are basically simple keyword tools. And they, they look a lot like the Google Keyword Planner. And the reason that they look that way is because all they're really doing is mashing up Google web data and then presenting it to you with a different skin. And when you're looking at things like competition for a keyword or volume for a keyword or indeed even what your strategy should be, they're just echoing SEO strategies from the internet because that, again, is, is what their technology is able to support. Um, you know, what we're doing that's very unique uh, that helps developers is we have a completely different index of the App Store that's based purely on mobile data. And we focused not on building a keyword tool, but by building uh, real software that had um, uh, linguistic algorithms and that had um, uh, optimization algorithms where you can really plug an app in and you can understand what's going on inside the App Store, completely unpolluted by web data. Uh, which isn't really relevant for mobile optimization once you have the opportunity to see mobile data. Um, and then, you know, get an optimization done not only more accurately, but far faster than you would have to do if you were poking around one keyword at a time or trying to study one competitor at a time. Um, you know, 15 minutes with the technology that we've built, you know, we can analyze thousands of competitors, figure out who your closest search competitors are, recommend keywords. We can even figure out what keywords can combine to build phrases. And, you know, we do this not only for iOS, but also Google Play extremely accurately. Um, so, you know, I'm excited because, you know, whether you're a large publisher like a Tango or a small independent developer, you know, we've had people get incredible results from our technology that no one else has been able to achieve anywhere else. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we did something that I think was, you know, looking at how to solve the problem the hard way. We aggregated the data for four years. We actually built a community of 100,000 users where we paneled and surveyed them to understand semantics and understand how users talk about apps. I can tell you 80% of all searches in the App Store are two to three word phrases. I can tell you that there's only about 20% overlap between web search behavior and mobile search behavior. So you just leave so much on the table um, when, you're, when you're taking a web-based approach to App Store optimization. Yeah, this is great because we did have a, an episode uh, not long back with the founder of uh, AppRanker and he was explaining about the concentration of publishers on the App Store and how a lot of the money, I mean, we heard recently that uh, Apple paid out $15 billion and Google paid out you know $5 billion to developers, but a lot of that money seems to be going to the big houses, which have large budgets to spend on marketing. And just to hear you talk about democratization Size it, democratization of uh, the app store and giving us the ability to, you know, as small in, indie developers uh, actually pl- play with these big guys and uh, almost get discovered. And that's a wonderful thing for us. Yeah, I and mean, there's nothing there's nothing more rewarding for us than when we kind of onboard an app and you know we see it ranking for twenty or thirty keywords and we have the ability to really blow it out and help that developer rank for you know, 50 to 100 to 150 keywords and just optimize and iterate, you know, every month as they release new builds of their app. I mean, we've literally seen apps go from 30 downloads a day to 5,000 downloads a day without paying for a single download, even in the independent space. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's really the reward for us because at, in our hearts, in my heart, I've always been an app developer uh, back even in the early days of Bruin JTME development. And, you know, this is a problem that, that I'm really happy to be able to contribute to solve. Well, wonderful. Well, there's two more things we need to do before we say goodbye to you, Dave. One of them is that we always like to try and uh, uncover a new app idea, something that our audience can uh, maybe take as a project or something they can work on. And the way we do this is ask you straight out whether you have an interesting app idea that you've perhaps thought about as you're driving to work or, you know, we're running or whatever. Uh, if you do, great. If not, then I've got another way of fleshing out an app idea from you. So I'll just ask you straight out. Do you, do you have an app idea you could share with the listeners? You know, uh, that's that's a hard question. I have app ideas every day, and I, I don't <laughs> yeah. write them down because they pop in my head. But you know, the the things that really keep me up at night, the things that I think about, are really along the lines of um, you know where organic demand is in the app store, and uh, you know how how we can make our technology more accessible to developers. So I'm I'm so deeply ingrained in the product that uh, I, I don't. I leave it to the developers to come up with the creative app ideas. Yes. Well, how about this then? What you know? Let's talk about the one or two apps that you perhaps use in your day-to-day life, whether it's um, in a personal or business. But we'd love to try and get some ideas for new apps. Uh, have you got your phone handy? Are you able to open it up and have a look at one or two apps that you may I do. Uh, be able to recommend that perhaps we haven't come across before? I, I do. I do have my phone uh, handy, and so you know, I've. Um, I'm. You know, when you look at when you look at the kind of apps that I use, you know, I'm. I'm. You know, a total newsie. I. I, I look at. Uh, I look at Flipboard on almost a, a daily basis. I've recently started trying out apps like Smart News. Um, I'm based in the. Uh, I'm based in the Silicon Valley area, so you know I love trying out new delivery services like Fluke. Uh, I I use Uber and Lyft quite a bit, um, 
but you know, a lot of a lot of productivity stuff. Although I will say that I've thoroughly uh, been enjoying in my spare time this game that uh, Nimblebit created back in 2012 called Pocket Planes. It has me absolutely addicted. I love the Nimblebit guys. Yeah, we've had some interesting game developers on the show as well. Uh, the guys from uh, Toka Boca who do a lot of kids apps and. Uh, yeah, they just, you know, when you hear game developers talk about their art and creativity, it's uh, very impressive. One app that I that I have been using that I have discovered, uh, it's a very, very cool uh, app for, um, for, for photo storage and photo sharing that, that kind of really provides you a lot of storage in the cloud and uh, makes it very, very simple for you to not worry ever about how much space you have left on your phone to store your photos. It's an app called Trunks. Um, you know, we know the developers up in up in San Francisco um, met them recently, and the app is incredible. And I've actually replaced my camera with it on my phone. So, if you want one kind of new app that that really has kind of taken over my front screen, I would say that's probably the one. Uh, well, just to the apps to tribe listening uh, for you know, if you want a breakdown of those um, or links to those apps, just go to theappguy.co and search for episode two one eight, and uh, you'll. Uh, see all the links to the apps that we're mentioning uh dave it's like again a lovely journey um just going through your story um i guess you know you've inspired me i'm sure you've inspired a lot of people listening how best can we reach out and connect with you um so you know what the best way to reach out and connect with me is to uh is to go to gummycube.com reach out through the website you can find me on twitter uh, at Dave A. Bell, D-A-V-E, the letter A, B-E-L-L. Uh, and then, of course, Gummy Cube is also on Twitter, at Gummy Cube. Um, and then you can also find me on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Now, I have to ask you, Dave, you have been around for, you know, let's say 15 years or so in the mobile industry, and you've seen three iterations of uh, various things, you know, app stores and, and the like. Uh, do you feel like we're in a bit of a tech bubble at the moment? What's your view on where we're at uh, with the industry? I feel like there has been a little bit of a bubble. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, there have been... Um, there's been a tremendous amount of seed investment uh, that has been going on, uh, especially in Silicon Valley over the last uh, several years, mostly to kind of app-oriented companies. Um, you know, and I think I think that that I don't think that the interest in apps is going to decline over the next few years. I think it's going to grow, but I think what we're going to see is um, an orientation towards quality over quantity. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, an orientation towards, you know, apps that can become companies in themselves um, from a venture capital standpoint. Um, but, you know, despite all the distribution challenges, I still think that, you know, it's an open market. And I still think that, um, you know, with the right strategy, you know, thinking, thinking from the perspective of who your target market is first um, and designing something that really solves a problem or is just ridiculously fun to play in the case of a game, um, you can definitely still get out there with or without um, investment. But you know, there, there has been a little, a little bit of an investment bubble. Uh, it's coming back to reality a little bit here. Uh, but I, I by no means think that you know, apps are going away. I, I always tell people this. This is my analogy. You know, in the days of the internet, um, you know, Yahoo, really the directory style of discovery, really kind of suffocated the internet. Uh, the only companies that were able to get discovered or get funding were people who were listed high up in the Yahoo directory. And um, It wasn't until Google came along with search 
where there was kind of an internet renaissance and we got past kind of into that post-Netscape era. Um, and I think that search is going to do the same thing for apps too. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dave, what a great uh, journey, great story. Thanks for sharing uh, us. Thanks for supporting the show as well. It's been um, terrific to go through your story. And uh, do you feel like we've covered everything you needed to talk about? Is there anything we uh, may have missed uh, or you wanted to get out? Um, no, I mean, I think I think we covered a lot. Um, you know, I am always available to uh, to chat. So you know, everyone should anyone anyone who wants to reach out should feel free to reach out either on Twitter or or just go to our website, shoot us an email, and we're always always friendly, always trying to help developers out, and always happy to uh, to to give demos of our tech. Now that's wonderful, and thanks for that, Dave. Because a lot of people listening do get a little bit uh, scared about approaching, you know, the likes and the, the, the legends like yourself who have been around for a long time. And uh, just, you know, from my experience, you know, you're very approachable, and and actually, it's kind of the whole industry. It's a, it's a really lovely industry to be in. That's why I do this show, and that's why I love it so much because the people are involved and everyone's willing to help out for the common good. So, um, thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thank you very much.